0: What is up, Fim Fam? You have made it to episode 8 on the Fitness in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Kyler Ide. In today's episode, if you've read the show notes, we talk about two different things, fat flux and the Dunning-Kruger effect. If you know one or the other or both of these, you might be sitting there scratching your head how the heck these two relate to each other. Um, but hopefully I do a good job of getting into that. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I know that uh, I did. I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to include this in the introduction because I just thought of this. But um, I, I've had one heck of a journey listening to um, a podcast sent to me by one of my clients, Nick, uh, with Peter Atia, who is a physician whose uh, sole practice or his practice revolves around human longevity and the science of longevity which is very interesting. Um, I have been listening and I guess researching his stuff for the last week or two and I introduce and borrow some of his concepts and topics in today's episode. Um, I definitely have did not get paid to promote him but I did want to include that since I do reference a lot of his work um, but anyways, without further ado, I'm going to try to keep this short. Let's talk about fat flux and let's talk about the Dunning-Kruger effect. See you guys on the other side. What's up, Fim fam? Welcome to episode eight. We are talking about two different topics today. So fat flux, which is just a term that's been coined over the last, I guess, handful of years, a little bit more. And then the second one will be the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, these are two separate topics that I've been wanting to cover at some point in some way. I just really didn't know how to present them and put them in separate episodes separately. Uh, But just in the last week, um, I've been reading and listening to some certain things that helped me gather some information to now introduce these and talk about these two things in the same episode in a way that makes sense, right? In and in a way that, um, that can kind of feed off each other, but then also uh, in a way that it doesn't sound like I'm, I'm just rambling on um, and not connecting them to things that are helpful for all of you. So when we talk about fat flux, so before we get into the meaty material, fat flux is just what happens in our bodies when we get rid of fat, or what has to happen in our bodies to get rid of fat. Um, on the other side of that, the Dunning-Kruger effect, if you've heard of this, it is uh, a concept in the psychology realm, um, but I'm going to be using it uh, to compare our absolute knowledge and our perceived knowledge. So absolute knowledge is the knowledge that we have, right? And the the knowledge that we use. And then our perceived knowledge is, um, I I guess, how, how knowledgeable we are. And depending on what point you are in your life or what point you are in your learning stage those can be at the same levels or those can be at polar opposites and then after seeing where they are how can they be useful to us um but yeah so fat flux and dunning kruger i anticipate this will be a lengthy episode but uh, again these are two topics that i've backburnered for a while and i'm putting them together in the same episode so i'm just anticipating it's gonna it's going to be a lot of material, um, but I'm going to wrap it all together at the end for all of you. Uh, so yeah, uh, lastly, before we get into the the nitty gritty of it all, I wanted to give a big shout out to one of my clients, Nick, and I know that he's out there listening. I know he knows who he is, uh, but one, obviously, from just a, a professional and client perspective, uh, the guy shows up, works hard. He always... Is invested in his goals and his program so he shows up with a lot of good questions a lot of good feedback uh, which just shows me as his coach that he's he's in it a hundred percent and not just to get the results but also learn in the process and to be honest that that raises the bar for me as as his coach and it's it's built me into a better court coach for that so thank you nick uh, but also he has directed me to a certain podcast and some professionals that helped out with building this episode for me. Um, uh, the, the podcast that he has is called The Drive. And there, uh, Peter Atia is a medical professional. He's a physician who, uh, his practice revolves around the science of human longevity, which is super interesting. But over the last just week or so, uh, I've watched and listened and studied a lot of his material, including uh, Bob Kaplan is is the other guy uh, that he, that Peter Atia has on his his podcast a lot. Bob Kaplan is now the head of research um, at Atia at, at Peter Atia's company. So um, between those two, I have gathered quite a bit of information and also have borrowed some of their concepts um, just to to explain what I want to explain in today's episode. But Thank you, Nick, for being a hard worker. Thank you for directing me to these professionals uh, so I can keep learning and I can keep relaying all of this information on my podcast. So before uh, I guess we begin and after all of that, we will be talking about these two topics of fat flux and what goes into that, but also the Dunning-Kruger effect and how that kind of flows into everything. Um, But I know this will get a little sciency. We do go into the biochemistry of adipose cells and the medical or the metabolic pathways that go into all of that, all the enzymes and hormonal activities go into that. But here's here's the reason behind that. I don't want to relay all of this information just to put sciency things out there, make it sound confusing or just make it sound like, you know what, I, I'm trying to sound smart myself. No, it's just, after all of my schooling and experiences, here's my personal take on that. If I enhance my own knowledge and how I understand things, it, it has better equipped me than to to understand certain things at a different level. It, it has helped me uh, coach and relay that information at a different level. So. Uh, for all of you out there, if you are new to the health and fit fitness industry, if you are new into your own, you know, personal program or, or journey, or you are new to the podcast or whatever, um, I feel that whatever we read or learn ourselves, or, you know, just view on the internet ourselves, that's where our ceiling is, right? Of knowledge, that's where our limit is. And that's all we have to work with. So if anything, I just, I literally just want to word vomit as many things as I know out to all of you so that you can absorb that. We can have discussions about it. And then the world is just a better place. So then we can you know, ask the questions that we might not have thought of before, or we can start having a better way of filtering out the BS in the world uh, that have you know, uh, kind of populated on the internet over the last five, 10, 15 years. And that's what this podcast is all about it is either me sitting in front of a microphone to relay information to you and we can all have you know experience the feel goods uh, but also i just want to not hoard all of the the knowledge and information i have learned and i have experienced we we want the world to know like you shouldn't have to only pay me a million dollars to know what i know like we you should be able to have this knowledge that seemed to be in textbooks and research articles uh, but it shouldn't just stay there. It should go out to the masses so that we can use it, we can learn it, we can absorb it, we can apply it because we know just how science is and how research is. Things will get better, things will improve, but things will also change in the next five, 10, 100 years. And uh, if I'm alive in the next 100 years, I wanna keep relaying that off to you. So uh, that's that's my, my long passionate note about that. Uh, but in today's episode specifically, let's talk about fat flux and let's talk about the Dunning-Kruger effect. First topic: losing body fat or adipose tissue. So wh- why is finding a solution for this so difficult for a lot of a lot of us? Or why is understanding what needs to happen in our bodies so confusing, right? Or, or so difficult. And those are not, you know, those are not uncommon questions. Um, and, and if you're struggling trying to lose weight or lose body fat, uh, there's a reason for it because her bodies do a damn good job setting in these tools and and activities and pathways to store fat and always trying to store fat. And I wanted to kind of put that out there first because anyone who kind of who claims that you need to just do this one thing, try this one thing to lose percent body fat it's really not that. As simple as that, right? It's not that easy, and shouldn't be that easy because our bodies have have all of these things that go into storing fat. Um, but the first thing I want to go over is the differences between uh, different fat tissues, and I guess just tissues in general. Um, and this is one thing that Peter Atia and Bob Kaplan go over in the episode that I watched is when they described fat flux. And I think it was it was kind of weird what why they brought this up right away, but then I, I fully understood why. Um, but it's the difference between uh, what we call like white adipose tissue and brown adipose tissue. So just to keep it simple, brown adipose tissue, it's not as prevalent, right? It's not as present as white fat tissue, uh, but it contains a lot more metabolic properties and and not to get into that but if we think of like white adipose tissue that's the stuff that most of us out there want to get rid of if we if you've seen uh, surgical procedures or um, you know things on tv where you you see actual fat tissue coming out of the body or stored in the body right it's that very boring kind of yellowish uh, murky tissue Sometimes gross looking stuff. Uh, and, and that's why like, we, when we view weight loss, it's like, oh, I want to get rid of that. Um, but your body doesn't, doesn't view it like that. So first we need to understand that white adipose tissue is just a tissue. It's just a tissue that your body views as something with many functions, with many uses and many properties. But again, for the majority of the human population, especially in the health and fitness industry, we tend to only view fat as something that we don't like or we want to get rid of, right? Something that's evil it's just messing up and crushing our dreams. But your body views it as just something that is very useful. Therefore, it puts in place a lot of things to preserve and keep it. When we want to lose weight, we primarily mean losing fat, right? I don't think that's confusing. So I'll I'll say that again. When we want to lose weight, we can assume that that person wants to lose fat. And when we want to gain weight, we can assume that that person primarily means they want to gain muscle. So for the rest of the episode, if I accidentally say lose weight, I I mean, lose fat or get rid of adipose tissue. Um, But yeah, anyway, so two things that we want to understand uh, or that we want to look at when we decrease the amount of adipose tissue that the human body has. So one, we could either decrease the amount of adipose tissue that we have, or two, we can decrease the size of the adipose cells within the adipose tissue. Now, the first one Like liposuction, that'd be a great way or just, I'm sorry, a great example of how to just simply decrease the amount of adipose tissue we have on the body. So we can surgically remove uh, the tissue from the body and we might have seen, you know, procedures like that or know know what we mean when we say liposuction. That's just a quick and easy way just to get rid of the amount of adipose tissue. If we want to decrease the size of the adipose cells, that's what I'm going to be diving deeper into. And both of them, both ways can result in, let's say, the certain like aesthetic end result that we want. Um, But let's not forget the benefits that we gain from from decreasing the size of the adipose cells. So examples will be like enhancing the enzyme activity that's involved into decreasing the size of, of the fat cells, improving the metabolic pathways, the hormone functions to decrease the size, but then also solidifying like these external habits as humans that go into losing fat you know scheduling time to go to the gym scheduling uh, time to focus on nutritional intervention Um, these things that we tend to hyper focus on um, they are important but um, you know sometimes if we feel like we're dialing in on just those habits sometimes we don't get the end result so again we're going to dive deep into the biochemistry that goes into decreasing the size of adipose cells so that then you can sit down And brainstorm after listening to this episode and really start figuring out, okay, are the things that I'm doing actually going to result in losing fat and losing weight? So let's get into the sciencey part of it. Um, I'm going to try to do a good job of giving you, you know, or explaining in words uh, in a way so you can visually see this diagram that's in front of me. Uh, But again, I'm going to try to keep referencing um, certain things and certain uh, topics that I grabbed and borrowed from peter Atia and 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 some of his podcasts because he does have um, some good show notes and diagrams for that. Uh, but let's get into the fat flux biochemistry. Now, I want you to picture this big oval circular shape that we are gonna view as one single adipose cell or one fat cell. So on the left side, there are, let's say, two doors of things coming into the fat cell, therefore making the cell bigger. And then on the right side, there's one door letting things out, right? Hopefully, therefore uh, allowing us to shrink the size of the fat cell. So I'll say that again. On the left side, there are things coming in, and on the right side, there are things going out. And I think the way that Peter Atia and Bob Kaplan Uh, Describe this as flux is a really good term. Um, And it really just sort of silences those who say that, you know, we are right now we are in fat burn mode or right now we are not in fat burn mode. Your body is constantly having things flow into fat cells and having things flow out. And we're going to be going over that like it depends on the certain rates of things coming in and things going out that will dictate the overall size of the fat cell. But let's just picture on the left side things going in and on the right side things going out. So let's just focus on the left side for right now. Primarily there will be two different doors letting things in. So these two things coming into the fat cell are triglycerides and glucose. So let's talk about triglyceride first. There are really two different ways that your body brings triglycerides in and therefore into the fat cell either during just different parts of the day in what we call like vldl so that's our very low density lipoproteins vldl brings triglycerides into the fat cell uh, when we're not eating or not after a meal so when you go to the doctor's office and get your triglycerides measured they have you fast for at least 12 hours right they have you fast at night uh the day before and then you usually get your blood test in the morning that day of and what we're trying to see is they're measuring your triglyceride levels in your vldl uh mostly at any point of the day just not around meal time so that's one way that your body brings triglycerides in the second way uh are chylomicrons so chylomicrons really kind of mobilize and bring triglycerides into the fat cell uh when you're eating a meal or right after a meal and that's called a postprandial prandial period um, but either way um, triglycerides are coming in in two different ways but then we need to talk about glucose so glucose c- comes into the cell as well um, but either way we have two different things coming in essentially increasing the size of this fat cell and we need to t- sort of take a look at that so um all we hear on the Internet, all I hear on the Internet are really different things of like calories in, calories out, um, keto, paleo, fasting, all of these different things um, that can be used as tools. I'm going to be getting this towards the end of the episode, but these are just tools that other humans have made to either restrict calories, um, potentially you know, change different um, hormone activities. But we can look far deeper than that. So just understanding it this way, um, if we can assume or look at an individual, you know, one human being, if they want to lose fat, we need to figure out why their body is deciding to increase the size of their already existing fat cells. And we can look at triglycerides and we can look at glucose. So a little bit deeper into those two doors I was talking about, letting these triglycerides and glucose cells in, insulin is a big driver of that. And that brings up a whole nother discussion. But let's just think of insulin as this hormone that is pro growth. So, pro growth, if it wants to grow a fat cell, if it wants to grow a muscle cell, if it wants to, it's it's present because it wants to be anabolic and build things up. And just think of like the bouncer at a door, right? Insulin is there. Think of a triglyceride or a glucose comes up to the cell wall, knocks on the door. Insulin is there trying to figure out. How much to let in, or if to let them in at all, um, and obviously we know nutrition habits, other things can dictate how much ins- insulin is is available, or even just activity level. You know, muscle contractions. Um, if you're diabetic or not, that really just dictates how many bouncers we ha- we have at the door. But just know that insulin is a big driver of this, and I'll get to get to that uh, in a little bit when we talk about the right side of the the cell letting things out. But um, but yeah, so though that's the left side let's talk about the right side so the right side is when we have things leaving the cell and uh, insulin usually has to be not very present I probably could have worded that a little bit better um, but things that dictate the flow outward insulin has to be very low things that drive and increase this flow outward are Adrenaline and and noradrenaline. So if we think of the fight or flight response, you know, a bear busts into your house and we have to have energy and substrates to use now to run away or fight the bear. Adrenaline and noradrenaline kick in and therefore lets your body know, oh, we need to now take free fatty acids from the fat cells release them into the bloodstream so we can use it up and fight or flight from the bear. Um, so that's that's a simplified way of looking at it, but if we can look at it at a, at a molecular level like this, we can start to figure out, okay, that should what needs to happen in our routine to either increase the flow of things out of the cell or decrease the flow of things in the cell? Um, Hopefully, I did a good job of of of, uh, of explaining that. You can definitely rewind uh, and maybe go over the explanation again. But I'm going to be starting. I'm going to sort of branch off now and go into just a simplified version of if we want to increase weight, decrease weight, increase the amount of fat tissue, or decrease the amount of fat tissue by using this model I just explained. With that model fresh in your brain, here are some important notes that I, I do want to go over right now. Nowadays, everyone I talk to, most people that I talk to, there seems to be basically two different camps of when it comes to this debate or when debating this. So in one camp, you know, there are those who seem that 100% of this model relies on calorie balance or calories in versus calories burned. On the other side, there's another camp that says that this relies solely on just insulin levels or like hormone levels or just hormonal activity. And when you when you learn and, and start to understand all of this on just what happens at, at a molecular level, um, sometimes you either shake your head when you hear that, you know, just keto will help lose fat or just Uh, exercising in this way helps to lose fat. If I were to pick a camp, one or the other, I would say both. Really, obviously there's, you know, obviously a calorie balance or energy balance does play a role um, that affects the flow of traffic going into the adipose cell to some extent, Uh, And that's what people seem to focus on. So we tend to just talk about this this camp a little bit more. Um, But it is definitely just a piece of the puzzle here. Like if we don't know what calories are coming in, if we don't know how many calories our body is adapting to, if we whatever, like we, we can focus on that. We can go to a nutrition coach. We can go to a registered dietitian. We can go to a professional to get that number solidified to just figure out, is our body in energy balance or what we call calorie balance? Now, the other side of the camp that really just looks at hormones or insulin, again, that plays a big role too, because I look at it as uh, the key player in driving what we call substrate availability. And so, a substrate, just think of it as a substance on which an enzyme acts on. So, that can be like a fat cell, it can be a protein, that can be something that we can use as energy. And if we have availability, or if we have a mechanism, say like exercise or running away from a bear, if we have that activity that forces our body to release substrates, yes, that can increase the flow of like fatty acids and think things outside of the fat cell. Um, and that can be a big driver, but again, it's not the only thing. If we have, you know, your your hormones in check, if we have the activities to keep your hormones in balance, a hundred percent quote unquote, let's say a hundred percent, um, that won't necessarily mean that you immediately start losing weight. If you have your calorie balance in check only and and we're just looking at calories, what's going in, how how much calories your body's burning, that can also, you know, not not result in uh, fat loss as well. So there needs to be a marriage between the two and we need to look at this um, from like a scientific approach, not just... I'm going to do keto just because a neighbor, a neighbor said I should, or they tried it, so I'm going to try it. That might get you like a half a step closer because all of a sudden that forces your body maybe to get to a closer calorie balance or a closer insulin response, but it can't be the only thing um, that we rely on. And therefore, I think in my opinion, it can't be the only thing that gets you to lose, you know, one, two, five, or 10 pounds of a fat mass. Um, but... Uh, When we talk about hormone activity, I don't want to bypass this. I do want to dive a little bit deeper into that. Your body, our bodies, we have to make a lot of like on the spot decisions on how to use substrates and in this case, free fatty acids or how to store substrates. So do we use it up now? Do we break it down now? Do we store it now? Where do we store it? So a lot of on-the-spot things, whether we're exercising or we just had a meal or whatever, but it also has to make a lot of long-term decisions too on where to s- store it. Do we put it into a, a, an adipose cell? Do we put it into a muscle cell, right? Um, but then also, as we all know, like hormones drive everything. They make a lot of decisions for us, but these hormone levels can change or that balance can change throughout our lives with or without our permission so whether in menopause if we have diabetes if our adrenal glands our adrenal function is down because of cortisol like we have all of these things going on um and then at the you know when it comes down to it your body will make a decision whether to have more things go into the fat cell and or th- more things going out of the fat cell. And it can be frustrating because we try one thing. Let's say in this example, we try keto, but we just happen to be premenopausal or we happen to be menopausal, and that doesn't seem to work. Or we try, you know, a certain exercise program, um, but we are 24 years old or versus, you know, 94 years old, and that might not get us to lose fat mass. So we have to really look at, okay, how you know, where are you in life? What can we assume is going on physiologically? Uh, physiologically, and then now knowing what can get us closer to losing or decreasing the size of of fat cells to get you to your goals, we have to look at all of these things, and uh, it, it makes our jobs fun. It forces us to really know our shit, uh, but it can be frustrating if we, you know, put all of our um, just all of our efforts into trying one thing called keto or one thing called high intensity interval training and then not see the results, then we feel demotivated. And we just, that that's the big thing that I wanted to use this model for. No matter who you are, we can look, we can all relate that this is what needs to happen, or we can start looking at, this is what should happen to lose fat mass. And then we can sort of reverse engineer from there. And um, I, I know uh, Peter Atiyah and Bob Kaplan, they, they mentioned this, that we can look at this from like an engineer perspective and try to reverse engineer from this cellular model. Uh, but biology is, is not as simple, not as clear cut as, as engineering, right? We can't just be like, if this, then that. If we want this to happen, then we just simply have to do that. Like biology is ever flowing. It's ever changing. Um, it's, it's We're still studying it. Um, but let's start with this model. And if anything, again, rewind, go back to this model. Um, I'm going to go a little bit Uh, One step further now um, to hopefully bring it all together. But um, yeah, let's just start with that. To put a capper now on this fat flux topic, uh, still thinking about that fat cell and the flow of things in and the flow of things out. uh, To change the size of the fat cell, just a couple notes on this. So if we think of the fat cell increasing its size, we have an influx, right? So we have more things coming in than things going out. If we want to decrease the size of this fat cell we would call that a deflux we would call an essentially you know less things coming in and or more things leaving the cell if we have just kind of a, a stalemate um what we call like a zero flux uh, net growth we just have happen to have the same amount of things going in as the things going out um but I call this sort of like a, like an open door process, right? There, are, there are always there are always things coming in and going out of this fat cell. So again, it goes back to kind of silencing. You know, we're, we're right now we're in fat burning mode versus you know in fat storing phase. Like there are always things going in and out. So just understanding this, um, we can sort of you know have like intervention through nutrition guidance or exercise programming to. Um, to sort of manipulate this process of slowing things down coming in and or increasing things going out if we want to start to lose fat mass. Now, the the last example that, that Peter and Bob use, um, I think really hits home here. And the example that Peter uses is just to simplify it, let's picture a room. And again, I'm bor- borrowing this from him um, because it does such a good job of I don't mean to say dumb it down, but it makes it very easy to digest. We think of the fat cell as just a room that has a hundred people in it, right? And then in an hour, it still has a hundred people in it. You know, a day later, it still has a hundred people in it. We can just assume that the net growth is zero. Like we, we, we have the same amount of things going in as going out and we always have the same number of people at any given point still in the room. Now, we don't know the exact, exact amount of people coming in. We don't know the exact amount of people leaving. We just know that it's, it, it equals each other. It's the same amount. Now, if we want to have that decrease in size uh, of the fat cell, we probably need to manipulate the things coming in and the things going out. So the things that can ha- that can help with that is on the left side, we simply either decrease you know, the amount of triglycerides and glucose coming in, and that can be from a nutritional standpoint, that can mean, um, changing things to make sure that insulin, uh, doesn't have the floodgates open and letting all of these substrates in. Um, but it it can be as simple as that. It can be as complex as that. Uh, we know, like I explained, insulin can change throughout our lives. Uh, Glucose and, and triglycerides can come in not just because of our nutritional habits, but just of, of any other Habits that we have or biological processes that are going on But on the other side of that if we just want to decrease the amount of people in the room We can also increase how much is going out if, if it's if it's an easier task Of trying to let more things out of the room versus coming in we can attack it that way And if you remember what I explained is that insulin has to be at very low levels To allow more things out of the cell and whether that's i guess if someone a professional you know suggests that we need to lower carb intake that can lower insulin levels sure or increasing different types of physical activity you know when we exercise that does stunt insulin amongst other things Um, but then also the activity of exercise also forces our body just like the fight or flight it does force our body to tell your body to release free fatty acids out of the fat cell into our bloodstream so that we can use it up to get through the exercise or run away from a bear. So there's a lot of things we can do to sort of manipulate this process, whether we want to have an influx or a deflux. But I think the main thing I wanted to drive home was we don't shut things off and turn things on. We just sort of uh, upregulate or downregulate certain things in your favor, depending on what your goals are. So, now let's talk about the final and second point of this episode, and that's going to be the Dunning Kruger effect. And again, this is more in the psychology realm when I think of the Dunning Kruger, and you, this can be interpreted in different ways, but I wanted to look at it as our absolute knowledge compared to our perceived knowledge. So, in any field, I feel like the more that you know and the more that you learn, the more you tend to think you don't know anything. I know that seems very, very weird to think about, uh, but there's a reason I wanted to bring this up, is that in in our industry specifically, in the health and fitness industry, this is what I feel we are constantly working against. So, for example, um, if we can look at, and I want and encourage you all to Google this Dunning-Kruger effect uh, model if you don't know what it is, Um, but as time goes on and as we learn things, We tend to increase our absolute knowledge. So the amount we know goes up and then our perceived knowledge also goes up. So the more we think we know also goes up. There's that at some point as we keep learning things, our perceived knowledge seems to drop off. So in that model, we see huge like, well, it's at the top of it. It's called called Mount Stupid sometimes where we think we know everything because we know as much as we know. But then that falls off very quickly on how much we think we know. So specifically in my life, as I went into undergrad, you know, I took two and a half years of biology and then I finished off with an exercise science degree in undergrad. I felt like my knowledge was going up and then my perceived knowledge was going up. And it really wasn't until grad school where I, that my perceived knowledge start to just really dip down. Even though I was continuing learning, I just realized that there is so much to know and there's so much continued education that I need to know, um, that I felt knowledgeable, but uh, my perceived knowledge was going in the opposite direction. And I feel at some point everyone, everyone experiences this either in, you know, an, uh, an academic, uh, perspective or just in real life, like a client. Sometimes if you are new to fitness, you're starting your program, your knowledge goes up, your experience goes up, your perceived knowledge goes up. And at some point, Your perceived knowledge goes down, even though you're starting to do more and learn more. And that can be a scary place to be. And you can feel stuck or you can feel plateaued. Uh, But in this this example, I felt like these two topics marriage each other because I wanted to spill out all of this biochemistry stuff to you all to increase your your absolute knowledge. Your perceived knowledge then might seem to go down as, as it did for me. But that's not to scare you. That's to help you ask more whys. That's to help you um, push yourself or put you in a place to, to continue learning and realize, oh, it's not just, it's not as easy as that as someone on Instagram made it seem like. Um, and the example I want to use is there's this French physiologist by the name of Claude Bernard, and, and he had a groundbreaking discovery of like fat digestion, really just the model I just explained uh about fat flux and that was way back in like 1848 and so we have made more discoveries there have been a lot more studies uh since 1848 Um, but we have made even more groundbreaking discoveries in the last 10 years so so science itself or the way we go about testing existing data or the way that we can apply it is ever changing and so our absolute knowledge is going to always be enhanced, but our perceived knowledge is always going to be tested, uh, especially since the human population, our physiology will continue to change. And if, if anything, like no matter where you are, if you're at the beginning, if you're at the top of the of the peak or you're starting to downfall, uh, again, it's this is what we are working against all the time. So all that we can do in the health and fitness industry as a professional is just continue our absolute knowledge um, and continue growing other people's absolute knowledge, knowing that our perceived knowledge is gonna start to go down, but that's such a good place to be because we are starting to push the envelope. We're starting to push uh, push our way into some, some future discoveries. But uh, if we look at social media, you know, some people, might be on that high peak of knowing a lot, or think and or thinking they know a lot, uh, but they also on social media we have the ability to, to be able to shout louder than others on the on those platforms, and at some point like that can be good for people you know with the thirst of knowledge or thirst of learning, and that can also be a bad a bad place. Um, in, in one of this is a separate episode of. of peter atia's podcast but uh he had another uh guest on there and i i kind of feel bad because i forgot the guest the guest's name um but when they started talking about this this is where the light bulb went on for me of why i wanted to talk about fat flux and the dunning kruger effect on the same episode is that um when we think of certain topics in in our industry um we want to gravitate towards someone who's confident right we want to gravitate towards someone who thinks that they know their shit um but the further you are into studying our industry uh, as a professional whether it's a physician or an exercise physiologist or a personal trainer um if you are in my opinion if you are a well-seasoned coach if you are a good coach if you are asked something from a client or a family or a friend Automatically, you should be hesitant into answering that and that sort of goes, you know, away from probably what that person wants to hear. Uh, But if you think of two different people, one person who just seems 100% confident and can give you one answer on the spot, like that's a lot more appealing than someone who might be, you know, kind of sit there pondering and might give you a half answer or a million half answers. Uh, We gravitate towards someone who feels confident um but that doesn't mean they absolutely know what they they're talking about right they their perceived knowledge and absolute knowledge might be way up there but that doesn't mean they they might know everything to help you right then and there so i'm a true believer that the the more someone knows the more they ask why essentially and, and therefore might always be unsure or supply a lot of caveats or uncertainty but bottom line is we live in a world where hundred percent certainty and confidence is sexy we live in a world where personal success can equate to success for the masses or some people think but we also live in a world where it's easier to have one tool to fix any problem right so um, again it's, it's more appealing to have someone just give us one answer and we can roll with it or they had personal success so we think it can translate to our lives but um any professional in our, in our industry, uh, it just doesn't work like that, unfortunately, but fortunately, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of information and data to access, whether you do it yourselves or you can ask a professional like me or someone at your gym or someone at your, your doctor's office. But, um, I recently had a good conversation with another one of my clients, shout out to Helen. Uh, I think that she's listening in on these as well just about giving advice in general and what to do so um we started talking about you know bits and pieces of this episode because i know i was going to be talking about this um but like nowadays we're just stuck uh training ourselves into you know just choosing certain tools to try so so she had some questions about like you know what to do to lose fat like should should i try keto and this goes along not just with her but like with other clients should we try keto should we try fasting should we try group fitness classes, cardio only? Should we try strength training? We have all of these moving parts and it's really confusing on what the heck to do for you. But the better we can understand what is happening in our bodies, all of our bodies, no matter you know what type of training you like to do or what you're doing, the better we can understand what is happening in our bodies. We can then figure out maybe what needs to happen in our bodies to get us to our fitness goals. You know, we now have a better idea on what tools to start reaching for so we don't feel like that we are reaching blindly that unfortunately i feel like a lot of us are doing right we we happen to read this thing see this thing so we try it and if it works great if it doesn't we're frustrated so if you are new to this whole health and fitness thing and i'm going to end the episode on this on this coach's note here if you are new to this whole fitness thing um and you feel like your knowledge is low, or you feel like your absolute knowledge and perceived knowledge is low, like reach out to a professional, reach out to me. Like a lot of trainers, a lot of fitness professionals, they offer a lot of complimentary resources to help you, to help you out at the beginning, to help you get your program rolling. Uh, if you feel like you are at the top of the peak right now, uh, like, like your perceived knowledge and your absolute knowledge is really high. Um, this wasn't necessarily meant to like pull you down from that or make you feel like you don't know anything. But at the very least, I hope it opened your mind a bit to continue learning, to con- continue asking why, because as the seasons change during the year, as the seasons change during your life, like your body is a magical thing and it might change without your permission. So at least it will be beneficial to at least train yourself to always be asking why, and to always be asking how. The music means we are done with episode eight. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I do realize now that a lot of that was just informative, as if I was like holding a lecture, holding a TED Talk, standing up there by the whiteboard, um, and not a lot of actionable things. Uh, but sort of on purpose. Like I did want to just word vomit some things out there, let that percolate and simmer with you guys so that you can start brainstorming um, and, and, and then reach out with questions. Um, but also like, because of the content we presented, there are probably thousands of different avenues and things we can start doing to help you individually. And we just, you know, there, I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to be able to do that. And uh, I probably am not the, the only person that should be helping you. Um, but within my scope, I can share everything that I shared and then you can uh, then you can, like I said, reach out or, or start um, doing some stuff on your own. Um, I will uh, include Peter Atia's podcast. Um, it is very interesting. He is a very knowledgeable guy and uh, he, he is a, a very good physician as well. so I know he does a good job of, of deep diving into, medical things and and, um, biochemistry things Um, but in in my episode specifically today I did want to I guess explain it in a way that I understand it but also in a way hopefully that you would be able to understand it Um, but anyway guys anyways guys uh, episode eight we are done I do release episodes every two weeks on Mondays and uh, I know today's episode it did sort of piggyback on episode seven when we started talking about how to measure uh, adipose tissue and percent body fat. So I felt like this was a good segue into into this one. But um, you can reach me on any platform you're listening to me to or you can reach out to me on Instagram. It is Tyler underscore alpha underscore fitness. We're going to continue every two weeks. Hopefully I can keep entertaining you all and giving you information to keep your fitness in motion or put your fitness into motion because that is our mission and that is what we will continue doing. I will see you guys in two weeks, but until then, see you later.